Welcome back to Backlist and Chill. I'm Ollie, near Philadelphia. Yeah, are you sure? No, I almost said Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm not near Pennsylvania, <laughs> I'm in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, technically, that's sort of still true. <laughs> I'm almost in, I could say I'm near New Jersey, that's still true. <laughs> I, you know, you know the upper, like, right-hand side of the country that way. I'm over there. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sina. I'm a little bit more uh, towards the West, but only slightly because I'm in Ohio. Yeah. A little bit more. Not so far as to be Chicago. No, I am not in Chicago. <laughs> You're correct. I'm closer to Philadelphia than you are. <laughs> yes, you are. But and yet I am somehow closer to Akron than you are. Hmm. <laughs> Do you all have your matrices out? Because we'll keep dropping <laughs> hints until you've narrowed it down. This is like me, but with timelines. <laughs> I, like, I know, I act like we're just dropping hints about like where we live when we literally say it every episode. Every episode, every episode. But we also do a podcast. Oh, yeah. So most recently we did two non-season episodes. We did our Halloween spooky special Ooh. where we talked about The Last Vampire by Christopher Pike. The most terrifying of novelists. <laughs> A dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then more recently we talked about Finally, which is technically season two. Uh, season one, rather. It was season one, episode three, but it was a standalone. Talking about Blood and Chocolate by Annette Curtis Klaus. Yes. Last. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Had a really great time chatting about that one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we've got season, what's the season six now? Yeah. This is great. I'm so, I'm excited that we've done so many and that we're finally at this, this season. Oh, I know, right? This is around where we started and we've yeah. finally circled back. Yep. Yep. There's like one other season I'm also super excited about, but like mm-hmm. this was one I was really looking forward to to revisiting. Yeah, same. This is I think the archetypical like episode slash series that we're doing. We're like knew a lot about it when was younger. Not sure how hold up as adult. Yes, definitely. There's been a couple seasons now where they were books that you said, "Hey, I read these. Let's check it out." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Cool, my my first viewing, as it were." <laughs> Um, but we're back to two books that both of us have read when they came out mm-hmm. years and years and years ago. So what is, uh, what's going on with our sixth season? Um, in case you didn't read the title of this episode, we are going to read the Keisha Ra series by Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Now, question number one, did I pronounce that correctly? Because there are a lot of apostrophes. The answer is no. You're you're saying Keisha Rod, I'm immediately imagining like a nice eggy breakfast. Mmm, <laughs> Keisha Ra. It's supposed to be Keisha Ra. I refuse. It is Keisha, it is Siet. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's set. <laughs> but yeah, so we're back talking about Amelia Atwater Rose, who was our author from season two, where we discussed the first quartet in the Den of Shadows. Mm-hmm. And now we are talking about the Kishra, which is a five-book series. Which five books are those? Hawk Song, which was published in 2003. Snake Charm, which was published in 2004. Falcon Dance, which was published in 2005. Wolf Cry, 2006. And finally, mm, Wyvern Hale in 2007. Yay. I definitely, when I first read the title, 
I'd never heard of a of a wyvern, so it was just wyvern hail to me until I learned otherwise. No, so like that's the every time like a wyvern comes up in uh in some fancy bullshit that I'm watching or reading or well mm-hmm. watching, everybody pronounces it differently. Sometimes yeah. it's wyvern, sometimes it's wyvern. So I don't think there's an official pronunciation. Wizened, wizened. Yeah, <laughs> like there's just some words where you're just like. Am I saying it right? Some people tell me this way. <laughs> right? Like some some fucking movie that was produced for like hundreds of millions of dollars said that it was pronounced this way. So you know what? I don't I think it matters. That. They paid a lot of money, so yeah. But when hearing the author pronounce it, it's been Wyvern Hale. Okay. So, so good job. Yay. <laughs> and so these books were written. At least they started being written by the time she was 17. Mm-hmm. I think they'd been started maybe slightly before that, but we know timeline-wise it was at least when she was 17 because of some of the, the meta information that like you found that, I'm, that I know of mm-hmm. uh, through when she was 21 because they published when she was 19 through 23, mm-hmm. which I just want people to remember that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We're probably going to, like, mention it several times each book. <laughs> Be like, the author is this old, and we understand that. You know, you're younger. Right. Like we did with the last one. We're like, you're 13. It's fine. Yeah. So we, we can give a little bit more of a, we get it. You're a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that I think that will come up a lot because anytime we, you know, talk about Amelia's stuff, uh, I go back and I look at the old Dead of Shadows websites, plural. Because, you know, Amelia had her own fan site at the time that she was very, very involved with. There's so much information there. Like, it was basically a full-time Q&A. You could ask whatever you wanted. There were pages devoted to each book where there would be, like, a bunch of background about, like, what she was going for. Like, what stuff she was thinking about writing it. Like, what sorts of things, like the history, how the the book became what it was. And it's really fascinating to go back and, and look at that and see, like... What inspired her and what she was going for, and then to, you know, as we are going to, to read the product of that. Right. To be like, this is what I was going for, and this is what you got, and, you know, where it where it matches up, where it's like, oh, it didn't really come through, you know, oh, it went different, things like that. Like, there's a lot of information on this, because it was a, a de- very developed world, mm-hmm. and the fandom was very interested in knowing about it and knowing more about it. You know, it's funny. Um, I was Googling like last minute to see if there was any like just random bit of information that I could come across in like an interview or something. And um, there were so many old threads on message boards that were like aggregating all of the information and putting it up wiki style, but not wiki because it but like putting this all into a post just so that people had all the information there so that they could RP with it. Yeah, I remember there were there were a couple different role play things. One of the things that is like lost forever is like there were Yahoo groups with the role playing. I was part of one of those. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. I remember being in one for a little bit, but like it was it was interesting because uh, even before the shapeshifters really came out, there was RP that I would see happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, like sometimes it's like I would just kind of lurk and be like, oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But then after these started coming out, mm-hmm. seeing the because like there wasn't a lot of information on the shapeshifters. It was just they exist. And really Midnight Predator was the only one that touched on the shapeshifters at all. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to watch fans developing their own sense of what things are and then like quickly rushing to adjust once there was more information. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, like, there was, like, a thread on the fucking, like, StarCraft boards. There was a thread on, like, Gaia Online. Like, just random places that teenagers accumulated where they were, like, and judging by the avatars, you know, very popular with furries. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yes, like, for sure. These books are so popular with the furries. Like, I'm still surprised because I remember when we were discussing these the the other books the first series Mm -hmm. i did a little bit of research and i ended up finding like not large but active groups of fans still in tumblr yes i went through a couple of those uh, tags today too and it's interesting because like there are definitely fans who are like i don't care that it's very obvious that like these are meant to be white people i'm a fan of color and fuck it they're they're gonna be people of color in my art and my stories that's nice I I just think it's so interesting that like uh, one of the things we've talked about with Amelia's works is is how it feels like there's so much more going on beyond the stories that exist. And I think that it's so interesting that like that aspect has really or I don't know if it, it still has, but like at the time really caught on because you had all of these people who were like oh here's a world that we can just play in like i can decide that my character is a fucking like serpiente or an avian or a mystari you know and then i can just be that and we have like there was room for the fans to be part of it even if they weren't part of the canon like there was really active and alive fanon yeah, I think it's it's so funny because she basically wrote a TTRPG setting and just put it out in novels and on her website and stuff. You remember the like the Dungeons and Dragons novelizations? Yes. It's like that. Like if, if, if she'd ever put out a role playing book, which she wasn't into role playing at the time mm-hmm. that I knew, her, but like, <laughs> just be like, hello, let's do it. Let's do a role playing uh, game series. People would have been like, mm, yes, I love this. And then, oh, hey, look at that. There's books. <laughs> Honestly, dude, there's so much content here and like so much content on she she had a couple wikis, you know, she's had a couple websites like there's so much information, like clearly so much information that she like she clearly has like a, a like a world world bible right where it's like you know what man you should talk to some indie publishers or something you should right? get that out just there throw dude all that together yep there's so much information just put it all together take formatting of of like this is how you make this type of character this is how you make this type of character mm-hmm. here's your fucking here's your classes you know these ones are going to be hunters oh there's three different faction of hunters now here's here's witches there's like you know three yes. remaining types of witches but if you want to be one of these obscure ones here's a paragraph on it you know uh, here's here's the please don't but here's the slave trade uh. <laughs> no you're so right though like there's there's so much room here for you to build like very classically like i'm gonna make a badass vampire hunter a badass vampire a badass shapeshifter like there's so much room in here for you to be different flavors bastard child of the cobriana so (laughs) i've got what blood red eyes but my mother was a white falcon so i have white blonde hair with blue streaks in the <laughs> yes, front and yes. red eyes and i was taken in i am the adopted child of dominique vita so i learned a little bit of witch magic even though i don't have it in my blood i've got enough serpiente and falcon magic that like i can work with it but then dominique was a dick so i left her and i joined crimson and now yes. i'm fighting to be the leader of crimson and uh also i'm secretly 
the Naga uh, lost fucking princess. <laughs> yes. I love That's it. it. That's a character you could make in this world. There's so much room for customization. You are so correct. There's so much room in character creation to just make a fucking anime character. Yeah. Oh, and then one day Aubrey took me and uh, tried to keep me as his his pet. So I've got some some high up friends in the vampire world who want to help me take down Aubrey. I fought with Jaeger once and he yielded and I drank his blood. (laughs) So now Jaeger can never hurt me. He will absolutely come to my rescue. And one time I had a um, a love affair with Fala. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. Um, Amelia, come to me. I will write your fucking tabletop RPG. I mean, I kind of am already. But like, if we want to officially <laughs> license this. <laughs> right? And like, it's like, just go with it. Just have fun. Like, that's what I like about fandom and, and you know, RPGs. Is it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's canon or not. It's just people playing and having a good time. Mm-hmm. So go with it. They don't need to be super serious about it. They can just be that ridiculous. I love this. I love this this new facet to these these books that we've created. They're just world of darkness. They are. They are their world of darkness, but like less grim dark with 50% more Den colored of hair. shadows. Not total darkness. 50% more color. <laughs> 50 more, 50% more anime. <laughs> yes. I love it. You know, I do like World of Darkness. One of the things I don't like about it is how how grimdark a lot of the stuff can get. So like, honestly, yeah. give me give me a less grimdark. Give me a silly, badass version of World of Darkness that does not involve like babies on a trail of chains. Like, I will take that over that kind of shit any day. Yep. It's... There's a lot of magical girlness to some of it. It's true. It's like angsty magical girl. Yeah. I think this is a really good introduction to the Kisha. <laughs> yes. This shit that we've discussed so good. Because <laughs> we'll talk more about it, but like this is this is a pretty good way to think about these books if you haven't read them. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I expect the, the audience we're talking to, some of you have. I know some of you have, and <laughs> some of you have never heard of these before. So, like, if you do decide to read them with us, you know, like I said, we've got Hawk Song first. So, like, you've got time to read them. They're not very long. They're all, like, what, around 250 pages? Something like that. Yeah. So you should definitely do that. You should hunt them down. Mm-hmm. All right. What do we, what more do we want to chat about with this? Because I definitely want to talk very briefly about the overall, like, series itself. But, like, anything you want to say? Because I mean, you've, you've done a lot of research recently on this. Oh, yeah. So there's a little bit of stuff that I, as I mentioned, I went to the old websites. Each book had its own page with its own background information. Each, like, the series had, like, an overall background information. One of the things that I did find interesting on the, like, very first when Hawk Song was just coming out, like, okay, guys, here was my inspiration for this cool new series that I'm doing. She said that the idea of it was inspired by When the Wind Blows and its follow-up book, I think I want to say The Lake House. But there, okay. there are two books by James Patterson that were about genetically created bird children, which then turned into the Maximum, the Maximum Ride, Ride series. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that fucking juggernaut of like late aughts uh, YA fiction was, uh, you know, the adult version inspired this. Huh. Something that I found interesting was that the Ebony series came first. Yes. That would later on 
not that series in particular, like those books weren't published, but the meat of the story mm-hmm. gets used in one of her later book series is the Mavra. Yes, because the Mavra takes place during slave times at the original midnight. Yeah, it's like the 1800s. It's like Hamilton era. <laughs> Ugh, no, don't do that. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> But the protagonists of two of the books in the series were the, I think, the Naga of the later Serpiente and the Tulithia of the later Avians. And, like, she came to... Avians. Leave me alone. (laughs) So... This is just going to be Stefan Stefan again, isn't it? Yeah, Jessica. Just, yeah. Um, That those characters, she was like, hmm, I want to know the history of these characters. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to write, like, uh, information for me, you know? Yeah. And then that stuff turned into Hawk Song and turned into Snake Charm, which turned into three more books. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting to see that she sort of came to it backwards. Yeah, from what I, I remember, there was like another unpublished series, well, not series, but like books, you know, she she wrote a lot of books that were just like, oh, what's this character going on? What's yeah. that character going on? That like came out of ones that were even before in the forest of the night that didn't go anywhere that weren't that solid that Mm -hmm. were just like long form drabbles basically Mm -hmm. and there were modern day shapeshifters modern day serpiente and avians that like they mentioned someone so then you know then the ebony series started oh they mentioned someone yeah you know and then go back even farther and it was really a very organic outward growth Mm mm-hmm and I think that really helps, like, ground the series, is that the first books that were published about the shapeshifters, you know, granted Midnight Predator has them, mm-hmm. but that the first serious series wasn't about modern-day shapeshifters, that it was this, like, historical important time period, mm-hmm. and that it had come from two sets of stories before. Yeah, it definitely has that feeling of, um, you know, delving into to history and I think, again, it's it's what makes uh, Amelia's stuff so interesting is that it exists in the context of a lot of other stuff. Yeah, there's little references here and there. <laughs> I remember that being something on the boards, too, where people would be like, this character got mentioned. Is it the same character? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I remember that, too. So there's all kinds of little Easter eggs that you you won't be able to get just by necessarily even reading it. You had to have been there on the boards watching the fandom, seeing, you know, questions get answered and names get dropped. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's cool. Um, it says that she began writing Hawk Song in the spring of 2001 and then bam, fucking secret 9-11 right there behind you. <laughs> this always, this is fucking wild to me, right? Because like, we keep, it keeps getting mentioned. I know. <laughs> well, you don't think it's going to. It's just like, oh, wait, I'm reading a book set in 2011. It's going to be the same for now. It's like, oh, I'm reading a book set in 2020, guys. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to be like, let's do a podcast about books that came out in the late 2010s, early 2020s. We're like, and then the pandemic happened and <laughs> this book ignored it. Right. Let me tell you uh, how inaccurate this book is to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. I knows it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, any anything that's written around this era is going to be like, oh, yeah, you were in New York in 2001. Weird that you're not talking about this. <laughs> right? You're just having your nice, fun romance. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so Amelia got really, I mean, inspired is probably the appropriate word, mm-hmm. but like uh, affected. You know, there was there was this big, huge life changing thing that happened in our country. For, you know, a 17-year-old to be dealing with. 
Right, especially somebody in the Northeast. Yep. I mean, I, I, I was in Massachusetts as well at the time. Like, it was just suddenly out of nowhere. It was... We hadn't known each other for very long, you know, mm-hmm. but suddenly this happened and it's like, okay, this story has, it had focus suddenly. Yeah, I think that's the, probably the big thing is that like, oh, I'm, I'm exploring the fun history of this conflict between my shapeshifters and, oh, what, real racism? Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Because as far as I, again, far as I remember with information, the serpents and avian serpents and the birds were still fighting in the modern era Mm, and they were tense but like meh but not like outward war in the 1800 stories so it's like this was the going back and seeing when when they were active conflict and when did that active conflict end and then being like well my country is now in active conflict how does this end right I mean, granted, our conflict still isn't over. Yeah, no, it's with not anybody because we're <laughs> the answer is uh, what your your conflict started in like ancient like BC times and continued into the eighteen hundreds. Sounds familiar, <laughs> right? And you know, so it it has a lot of ultimately the the story of the first one will be about how does this story get resolved? How do you end a conflict between two peoples? And Maybe it's easier because you're not dealing with millions of people somewhere across the planet, but literally neighbors. Yeah. And, like, the the hundreds of people in each of these cultures. Seems easier to, to resolve the way it goes. Well, especially when they are creations of your imagination. Yep. To just be like, I'm going to suspend my disbelief and say, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're like crafting this, this series and, and these characters in, in ways that you are, you're very able to control every, so you know what? We can adjust that moral grayness. We can, we can tweak that up or down a little and yeah. you know, people can be as complicated or uncomplicated as you make them. Yes. And also, you know, it, because it is young adult. I'm sure for a lot of readers who, you know, got this in 2003, it was nice to have a story that was like, conflict can end, there is a way through. Which, of course, then makes the whole rest of the series feel like, ah, your message. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get there. Yes. Which, I'm looking forward to reading this series, but I do feel like Hawksong is peak. Just so good maybe i'm wrong and i'll read it and i'll be like oops i had nostalgia goggles mm-hmm. but like i remember with the series that hawk song was really solid the story it like opens and closes and of course the idea of ah but it's not just that simple is how you get to have more of it mm-hmm. um but i i know you know for folks listening that's going to be something that i know i'm going to look at is the idea of the meta of the series and does the author's message work mm-hmm. when you look at all five books? I think that's a, an interesting part of it too, um, is that it's, I think it started out as like, what, two books maybe? Well, it was supposed to, hmm, I can't, I'm not sure if anybody knows, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like it started out just as Hawk Song and then suddenly it was, well, and what about the next generation? How does that come about? So I'll do three books. And I think it was supposed to be Hawksong Snake Charm and what would become Wolf Cry. Yeah, I reading through like her revision notes um, or the, the stuff that she talked about in uh, making 
Hawk Song and Snake Charm. Hawk Song was supposed to end with uh, an epilogue with Danica and Zane's baby, and then she had to take that out when she realized, oh no, there's more stuff before baby. Right, there's secret things. But then it was like, oh, okay, so we got to baby, but now I need to tell like Nicias' story first, and, and this story needs to come before this story. So it seems like yeah. the way that it sort of just kept splitting like an amoeba. There was almost a sixth one. Really? About? Danica's younger sister. She has a sister? Siv. Nope, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you will eventually. <laughs> but yeah, there was almost a sixth one. Which we'll talk about later. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, so it's like, you had, here's the story, and then a baby, and then, mm, nope, gotta know what happens before baby, and then, oh, okay, but baby, ooh, but what happens when baby? Because these are still two cultures who, like, it's not been that long, you know, like, it's only been, when you think about it, 20 years. 20 years ago, we're talking about books from 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. There's definitely people who are older. There is culture. There is lived memory within these people's lifetimes, especially when you consider that some of them can live for, like, hundreds of years. And they all look like teenagers, of course. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, adults, never heard of it. This is one of the things that, like, uh, so anytime anyone would talk about, oh, I'd love to see a series, I'm like, they would all just be, like, 20-year-olds playing, like, ancient monsters or, you know, or ancient shapeshifters. It would be a CW series. It really would, and that would be okay, because they'd be meant to look like that. <laughs> I, know. I know we discussed it in uh, one of the Den of Shadows things. Like, there's nobody over, like, the age of 18. Like, the 18-year-old right. is the adult. I think it was, um, it was Shattered Mirror and All Just Glass, where, like, I mapped it out, and I was just like, Danica's, like, five years older than us. <laughs> right? Or not Danica, I'm sorry, sorry, uh, Dominique. So it's it's interesting when you've got an author who is... Uh, you know, who is so young mm -hmm. and talking about older people because, you know, you're young. You don't know what it feels like in these <laughs> things. And the idea of someone looking 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 feels odd. Right? You're like, no, young and sexy always. Always. All the time. All of the blood of the vampires makes us all beautiful. <laughs> Shapeshifters stay beautiful and young forever because we need this essentialism. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be so salty in these books, aren't I? Yeah. I, I'm starting to get that vibe too. I'm not, listen, uh, we talked about in our last uh, thing where we were like, yeah, we need to break these up because we're getting, you know, too much pie, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> too much pie. Uh, I'm, I'm tasted up again, not, you know, going through the boards. I was getting very nostalgic and I was like, oh, I want, I would like, you know, this particular vibe of story. Yes, please. Uh, so like, I'm looking forward to it. But also I remember how tedious that pie began to taste. Yeah, because we, we did five books before. <laughs> right. And, you know, they're written you know, very similar vibes written by, you know, a young person. Like, I'm a I'm an adult who hates most things. And it's it is what it is. <laughs> is it going to be pixie sticks? Am I going to taste it and be like, oh, why? I no longer have a taste. <laughs> right. Like, I have a fondness for the first four because those were the ones that I really connected with as a kid. The Keisha Ra is where I fell off of Amy's okay. books. So I loved Hawk Song, but that was like the last one that I really vibed with. It wouldn't surprise me if that was fairly common across the, the fans. Right. So I'm excited to read them again because I don't remember them as well. And because as we've discussed, they get more complicated. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. like how that complicated stands up to, you know, us age 35 to 30. 
seven, however the fuck old we are. I'm 38 now. I had a birthday. Oh, congrats. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I'm closer to 40 now. (laughs) As discussed in Blood and Chocolate, every year I just get closer and closer to to Esme's age. (laughs) And... Uh, you know, and they do, they do get more complex. There's there's more complicated issues being discussed and trying to be discussed. Like, these feel at times more like issues books mm. and less of, there's a lot less of the Den of Shadows. I'm just going to have some fun with these, you know, badass girl books. Mm-hmm. These characters are more complex because the author is older. Mm-hmm. You know, they're she's no longer... 12 13 14 15 right writing them mm-hmm. she's she's 17 through 21 when these go into college yeah yeah exactly off college but we are aware that you know like like when we've talked about previous authors there's a lot of privilege um there's a lot of not knowing what you don't know and we are looking at these books 17 years later to start so 12 to 17 years later we're going to have opinions. Right. And I think, uh, you know, obviously things change over the time. But yep. I think particularly, like, we're in a culture where people with a lot of privilege are becoming more and more aware of things that, like, people of color and other marginalized people already knew. But that was yep. not something that uh, a lot of privileged folks were aware of in, you know, 2001. So, like, when you are a, a 17-year-old creating your fantasy world, you're starting from a place. Yeah, you're starting with awareness of your own personal marginalizations, but not the others. Right. And I think, especially when you are creating a world from whole cloth, um, that there's so much more of your inherent beliefs that go into... Biases. Yeah. And um, Amelia is public about being in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. So, like we'll ever see in some of these books that kind of topic come up and be an issues book (laughs) where it's like the racism which is like the start (laughs) of the series is that there's two cultures that are warring because racism that the racism is a fantasy element Mm -hmm. like the same with fantasy slavery yeah yeah which (sighs) that series is gonna be rough Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when the racism is just a fantasy element that is your plot, that's going to be really hard to do when it's not your own issue. Right. And when your racism is not about your characters as humans and and such, but as, well, we turn into snakes and we turn into birds and I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see that Rick and Morty episode where it was like, well... We've got triangle nipples and we've got square nipples, so. <laughs> I have not, but that's pretty funny. It's like a brief moment of a thing, but like, but like, it feels like that. It's like, we'll have to talk about these really seriously, but sometimes too, we're going to just be like, wow, the fucking fantasy racism. Right, you turned to a fucking snake. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're all still fucking privileged compared to the humans. I know, right? You, you can all turn into magic, beautiful creatures. Can, can you just all take a seat? Yeah. Oh, and then there's also an, an, a developed language, too. Oh, yes. Uh, that's something that I thought was super interesting about the Kishara is that it came with its own fucking conlang. Yeah. How do you pronounce that conlang, Ollie? That is Hadassi. Oh, is it? Because the, the page that I got has Ha-Shma. Oh, the falcon one? 
H-A apostrophe S-H-M-L-A. Okay, so there's two languages. There's Hadassi and I think it's Hashimla or Hash... I've always pronounced it Hashimla. Okay. But the other one is Hadassi. But anybody who knows otherwise can tell me differently. I don't really remember that one. I I mostly remember Hadassi. Yeah, so when I went to the old website, there there was a whole part of the site devoted to, hey, you want to learn my fantasy language? I will tell you how to learn my fantasy language. And like at the fullest it ever got, there were six distinct lessons in like a 10 lesson plan uh, explaining wow. to you how the language works. And, and there was like a dictionary vocabulary page. Like it's a pretty, pretty substantial effort here. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got? Oh, yeah. So um, one of the last things I found today on my last minute Google search. Um, <laughs> this is the worst. It's the worst. Um, it's because we live in the worst timeline. It's not really yeah. Amelia's fault, but it is kind of your fault. <laughs> I found an interview with PC Cast. Oh, my gosh. Uh, with Amazon.com. It was when uh, House of Night was first coming out. One of the questions was, why vampires? What was intriguing to you about them? Also, why why? Because <laughs> vampires in House of Night is spelled with a Y. Uh, and PC Cast says, uh, actually, the idea for the series originated with my fabulous agent, Meredith Barnstein. We were at RWA Nationals, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, then she said three magic words, vampire finishing school. I instantly thought of YA because I'd been reading the Hawk Song books by Amelia Atwater Rhodes. So my oh, head was already in YA. So you know what? You know who we have to blame for House of Night? No. It's Amelia Atwater Rhodes. I didn't Rhodes. know this. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Look, I mean... I'm going to go on record. PC cast is awful. Oh, yeah. I feel like that should be beyond record. But yes, I just think it's so funny because PC cast at that point, I think it only written books for adults. So uh, it's Amelia Atwater Rhodes' fault that House of Night was inflicted on the YA category. Inadvertently. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, I gave you Hawk Song and that is good. On the other hand, PC cast read it and got inspired. But yeah, that was a f- literally the definition of a fun fact. Amazing. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this. We've got five books ahead of us. We both read all of these when they came out. I know I did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm excited for the first one. I'm not excited for the second one. Mm-hmm. And I feel no, no excitement or um, not excitement. Just kind of like, oh, okay, that'll be interesting to reread for the third. I'm intrigued to read the fourth one again, because I know that that's like the other one that people point to as like, this was super meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm nervous to read the fifth one again. Is that the one with high? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm nervous about like, how much I'm gonna have to like, write out ahead of time to Mm -hmm. keep on track, keep focused and things like that. Because there's a lot that happens in it that I want to talk about. Well, uh, that'll be interesting. I remember, I remember very little about the last three. I am, again, the most interested in reading those because they'll be kind of new. Hmm. But I also remember the reason that I have so little memory of the last three is because I didn't like them. Yeah. And I don't know if that was just not being in the headspace for stories that were not, like, sexy. Yeah, girl with a knife killing vampires and smooching them. Right. Yeah, that was not, like, <laughs> fucking monsters. Um, yeah. Or if, like, I'm justified in the instant revulsion that the name High inspires in me, so. Yeah. 
we shall see. And also, you know, we're older, so looking back on these stories that the characters are more mature characters, you know, also question mark, are they? Maybe we just felt they were at the time right. <laughs> compared to the previous ones. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to be it. Welcome to the sixth season of Backlist and Chill. We're talking about the Kishra. Hope you survive. Thanks for joining us. And they can find us on Twitter. I'm there, Olivia Hennis. And you can find and follow the podcast, please do, at Backlist Podcast. Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. You can also find us on Patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill if you want to uh, become a patron and get your episodes pretty early. Uh, and thanks again to all of our amazing patrons who recently took us to like where we're getting like 20 bucks a month, which is wild. So thank you guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Bye. Bye.